That was on on time. Good good timing. You know, we only talked for like eight minutes before starting recording. Almost a personal best. Almost a PB. Uh, I mean, I feel like PBs are important to talk about as AGDQs going on. So it is a it is AGDQ week. I think uh, we're missing the riveting Dunkyong Country Two race. I mean, that sounds great, though. That's the thing. You said riveting as if it were sarcastic, but now I'm literally looking up the AGDQ schedule because I'm like, oh, Donkey Kong 2? Donkey Kong Country 2 race? I want it, but... I don't know. DKC2 is just like... It's it's like one of those games where I feel like I've seen it like 14 times, and it's not what... It's... I say this, and yet, like... Final Fantasy VIII, I can watch that. I can watch the same run of that for, like, seven times, and generally I'll be fine with it. There are some games that I, I will just watch the speedrun over and over again. There are specific runs that I will watch over and over again. Like, there's a specific, um... There's a completely ridiculous Pokemon Blue run from two years ago. Oh, where half of the stuff that's happening is, like, I'm just going to throw a Pokeball at this part of the map tile, and it's going to catch me this Pokemon. And I'm just like, wait, what just happened? And then it's like, and now I'm gonna change this Pokeball, I'm gonna change this item on the ground into a person, and then walk into them, voila, they're a door to the cave, I'm in a different area. <laughs> now I caught a Snorlax. And just like, what is happening? So like, that run in particular is just really fun, uh, because the commentary is just like, absolutely stellar. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is unfortunately like four hours long. So. Oh, the classic, the classic speedrun of four hours long. Um, my my wife and I, because uh, Sonic Adventure DX is like one of their favorite games, uh, we the other day got very curious and looked up 
if there were like any runs of that at like GDQ or something. And, uh, I do think we found one at GDQ that was just Sonic's story, but we wanted to see all stories. Um, so we found one, uh, I forget what the, uh, the actual, like, event is called, but it was for, like, a European runner, um, and the, the runner of Sonic Adventure DX was just this incredibly energetic Scottish man, uh, and that lent itself so well to a Sonic Adventure run, (laughs) um, but I, I just love how many times he was like, I don't know why the game works like this. It just does. <laughs> like, you know, same, dude. Same. Uh, but, you know, I love how much in that game you can just jump over everything like it doesn't exist. Because you can just literally fly off the rails of a map and, like, fall, like, 30,000 feet down, land on the ground, and you're good. You've won the stage. <laughs> Yeah. It's perfect. That's how You're like the goal it. the goal ring is supposed to be over there, but no. No, it's over here now. I finished the stage. <laughs> oh my score. Windy Hill? Like I see you've prepared a stage for me. However, if you simply jump off the stage, I can land at the bottom of the stage. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. Oh this is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast, if you couldn't tell. I'm your co host, Cinna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. And we should probably just get right into the episodes. Um, we're starting... Patting ourselves on the back for starting quickly, immediately goes on a tangent for another eight minutes. <laughs> That's how we do it here. Like, have you listened to our show? <laughs> Nothing? Yeah, you've, you've listened to our show. I know you have. Uh, <laughs> I was, well, so, I, I was like, I, at this point... If I say no, one, it's a lie, and also it's, like, super rude. And then, But even if I say yes, I'm not sure I have it in me to say yes in a non-sarcastic manner. <laughs> or in a way that do- isn't implying something terrible in, like, the, the context. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna not talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes silence is the answer. It's like House of Ashes. Sometimes you take the choice. It's not talking to the prompt. God. Uh, so, we're starting with episode 126, which is Uryu versus Ryuken, Clash of the Parent-Child Quincy, which is a title. <laughs> which... I took, I took my notes for this, and I watched the notes, the episode, before our break. <laughs> did I rewatch this episode? I could have, I did not. Ah, well, we'll see how well you remember it. So, just to recap, because we've been gone for three weeks, Ichigo succeeded at suppressing his inner hollow by training with the Visard. Ukitake discovered some clues about Aizen's plan to potentially kill Soul Society's royal family, who we have not seen, by blowing up Karakura Town to basically kill 100,000 people and use their souls to create a key. Also, Momo Hinamori is alive and I forgot. (laughs) Uh, Hitsugaya stands relieved by Hinamori's appearance on Soul Skype, though he asks if it's really alright for her to be up and walking around. She says she's doing fine, but looks tired, and Hitsugaya can tell. She apologizes for not believing in him before, and for pointing her sword at him, but he tells her that he's not worried about it, and she shouldn't be either. Uh, and when I say he tells her he's not worried about it, it's more of a, 
you're stupid. Stop worrying. I'm fine. Stop it. Go back to sleep. Get out of the plot. <laughs> I I do like that Hitsugaya has the correct reaction of, this wasn't your fault. You're not the one who's in front. You're not the person I'm angry at. It's Aizen. I'm gonna fucking murder Aizen. It is 100% that. Um, however, both Hitsugaya and Yamamoto in this scene, because Yamamoto's still on Soul Skype too, are kind of really just ushering Hinamori to get back out of the plot. Um, he calls her a kid, and there's a whole bit there where they, like, start arguing, and she starts calling him just Hitsugaya, and he goes, oh, it's Captain Hitsugaya to you, and I'm like, ah ha ha ha, funny bit. Um, and then she asks him if he plans to fight Aizen, and if that means he's going to kill Aizen, uh, before asking Hitsugaya to save him instead. She's like, he must have a good reason for what he's doing, and, you know, he's probably being forced by Gein to do such things. And she, like, the camera pans out and her face, like, it doesn't really warp, but it, it, it's, like, the very clear, oh, she's going crazy, like, face. And Captain Commander Yamamoto just, like, casts a sleep spell as she starts, like, going on this ramble. And is like, sorry, sorry, I guess we shouldn't have let her talk. For that long, she must not be ready yet. And I'm just like, you didn't have to bring back this character and then make her seem crazy and then usher her out of the plot as fast as she came back in. <laughs> yeah, they were like, hey, look, Hinamori is good and is well enough to walk around. However, she's still absolutely believing that Aizen's in the right and that. You know, I think it's it's kind of like setting up, hey, Hinamori is not going to be fighting in the next, like, big encounter thing. We're going to have a bunch of Shinigami and she's not going to be there. Uh, but also, you could have just kept her bedridden. <laughs> like, yeah. you could have just said, hey, she's still wounded. She's not, she's not going to be part of the fighting. Yeah, no, this is, like, almost worse. It It is really funny to me that Yamamoto is like, you know what? I fucked up. That's on me. Um... <laughs> I, I I forgot that this girl is obsessed with Aizen, and I probably should have checked on that before I had her talk to you. I, I, um, I probably should have, like, literally asked her anything about Aizen before I let her just get on Skype. I realize Skype can be a lot for people who just came out of the hospital, so maybe I should have talked to her about Aizen first. Then again, maybe this is actually Yamamoto's, like, secret way to motivate Hitsugaya to fight better. It wouldn't surprise me. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Kubo thought that that far ahead, frankly. But, you know, maybe. I think Yamamoto is evil enough to do it, but also he's not duplicitous enough to do it. Like, I absolutely agreed. Like that's just not the kind of person he is. He would just he would just go to my to Toshiro and be like, "Hey, fight or I kill her or something." Like I, I feel like Yamamoto like got off the Skype call and like had like a really deep breath, just like, <sighs> "Well, I mean, I guess it motivated him." So I, yeah, this was my plan all along. This is what I was planning on doing. <laughs> like, 
Good work, everyone. <laughs> Sir, there's no one else in the room. Good work, everyone. <laughs> God. <laughs> um... So he does claim it must still be too early for Hinamori to be up and talking, and then Hitsugaya balls his fist. Uh, and we cut. Uh, and meanwhile, Chad and Renji are sparring in Urahara's underground training facility. Uh, we're just shown this is happening. We aren't given an explanation until right after where we flash back to Urahara convincing Renji to train with Chad. Renji's like, why me? And Urahara's like, I don't think this kid will leave if I don't help him. And Renji's like, then why don't you help him? He asked you. And is like, well, you need the power of Bankai to train Chad. Renji's just like, that's that's even more reason for you to train him. You have Bankai, right? He's like, I know you do. Every <laughs> single one of us knows you do, you piece of shit. Stop lying. Erhara just like puts his fan up and is like, what? Little old me? I'm but a simple shopkeeper slash pervert, because he literally says that. Um, but then Reggie calls him out and is like, dude, I know and have known for some time you used to be the captain of Squad 12, and that you were the creator of the Hogyoku. And then the mod souls are just like, this young man's manners, how could he? And then Renji is just like, still adamant about Urahara doing it. And then Jinta, Ururu, and the Mod Souls all start, like, chiming in, calling him, like, a freeloader. Uh, and Urahara just, like, very solemnly says, My Bankai isn't good for helping or training people. You have something you want to ask me, right? Okay, well, do routine chores here for three months and I'll answer your questions. And then Renji's like, Training isn't a routine chore. Urahara's like, Around here it is. <laughs> Unless you don't want the information. I I kind of love how fucking snarky Urahara is in this scene. He's like, sure it is. We all... See, Ururu had to train with uh, Ichigo. That was part of her daily chores for like a day. <laughs> like a day? She didn't almost die. You can handle it. Pat's on back. God... Uh, we, we cut to Renji using his Bankai to train with Chad, who seems to be holding his own. Renji is even getting into it at this point. The two have some cool moves to show each other, and overall, I honestly really like seeing them fight as Urahara watches over. Uh, he notes Chad's power as different than that of Soul Reapers and Quincy's, and then he, like, starts to have another thought. But, like, it's as if he knew there was a cut coming and he wouldn't be able to finish his sentence because he's, he's like, internally thinking, like, it's almost as if his powers are like. And then it cuts to Ichigo getting kicked by Hiori. The two bicker about Ichigo undoing his hollow form in training as the others eat lunch. Orihime finds the warehouse that Ichigo is training at and watches as various animals seem to avoid it. She knows that this is because there's a barrier around it, even though the animals can't see it. Uh, she puts a hand to it and compares it to her own barrier. Wondering why such a powerful barrier is in place, she begins to push a hand through it. I love this scene. This single scene I love. It's really cool. It's like, oh yeah, Orihime's smart, she's intuitive, and then she's doing stuff. <laughs> It, it, she's it, doing stuff. She's doing stuff. And not only that, like, I just, 
I love the like details of like watching the animals like avoid it, even though they have no idea it's there. They just do it. Uh, I I love that. I I love that she can push a hand through it, and we just have to accept that. And it's like okay, interesting. Sure, she can just do that. Um, Ichigo and Hiori continue to train, with Ichigo willingly going into hollow mode now, and Hiori continuing to berate him as the others talk about how the time he can maintain hollowed state isn't getting any longer. Shinji here notes that he won't make immediate progress, but according to Kensei, right now Ichigo lasts about four seconds before returning to his normal soul reaper, his normal soul reaper form. Uh, one of the visored we haven't gotten the name of before, Mashiro, Asks what the point of his training even is, since she didn't do it. And then Kensei's like, what? What do you mean you didn't do it? You're lying. And she's like, no, dude. You gotta remember, Mashiro, she was able to remain in hollow form for 15 hours from the start. I love that Kensei's like, dude, fuck, did do it. Bullshit. We all did it. We like, we all had to go through this. And she's like, nah, I'm perfect. I was I... able to do it for 15 hours from the start. Fuck you. I fucking... I we've barely heard Mashiro speak, but I love her. <laughs> I think she's hilarious. She's great. Um Hachi senses Orihime passing through the barrier and determines it's definitely not a soul reaper. Uh and is really perplexed by her going through the barrier rather than destroying it. And we get this like really cool scene of like all all the visor getting like really tense and looking towards the stairs, but because like the barrier wasn't destroyed. They're not, like, on the attack, you know? They're just, like, on guard, because they're like, okay, this could be something bad, but we don't know. We have to wait and see. And then Orihime walks halfway down the stairs, and everyone's just like, a human? What? What What the hell is this? And Orihime just, like, gets nervous and makes a joke, like, oh, I just... Is this not where the restroom is? <laughs> and Kensei's like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, just kidding. And Lisa's like, see, Kensei, it was just a joke. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ichigo sees her. And off screen, Orihime explains how she found him and tells him about the Oken and Aizen's plan. Ichigo tells her not to be so worried because he'll stop Aizen and can still get stronger. Um, he thanks her for the info, and he just walks out to begin training with Hiyori again. Uh, Orihime internally notes that Ichigo isn't letting the surprise get to him, because, as we've seen with Bleach, he's got resolve now, and he's getting stronger. The Visor discuss Orihime's appearance and her just leaving, and there's a bit about Shinji loving her. Uh, which is just not a good bit. I don't like it. Love asks Hachi how Orihime could find this place, let alone get in, but Hachi doesn't really have a clear answer, other than she must have a similar barrier-making ability to him, despite being human. As Orihime runs through the streets, Yoroichi appears before her, telling her that Kisuke asked her to take uh, Orihime to the training ground immediately. There is a little bit here that I really love, which is once Orihime, like, gets out of the barrier, she turns around and she bows to it. Yes! Yes! <laughs> she leaves. It's a very, very good detail. I I love Orihime. God, she's great. 
Meanwhile, Uryu continues to, quote, train, end quote, with his father. His father tells him he's pretty cautious, derogatory, before firing off a bunch of arrows and criticizing Uryu for running away. But also for how he's running away. Uryu can sense Ryuken's spiritual pressure weakening and remembers being told he'd regain his own by dodging arrows, but who knows how much of that was the truth. Uryu knows he's reaching his limit and has to stop Ryuken, and he rushes in for an attack that Ryuken easily breaks through before countering with the classic anti-air arrow. He shoots Uryu in the chest with the arrow and claims that wearing mind and body down to its limit and taking a shot from a spirit bow 19 millimeters to the right of the heart's sinoatrial node is the only way to regain Uryu's powers. (laughs) That node is, uh, so you know, like, you know, pacemakers? Yes. Well, the natural pacemaker of the body, the thing that tells the the heart to, like, keep contracting, that's what the sinoatrial node does. Gotcha. It's just like, this is the most anime bullshit, <laughs> and I'm, I'm here for it. Like, Ryuken's just out here being a bad dad. He's being, like, so mean, he's just criticizing Uryu left and right, and it's like, God, my son's a fucking idiot. And <laughs> I... I can't get over it because he shoots him and is like, okay, well, now that we've done that and I've hit you in this very precise point with an arrow while you were attacking me, now you'll regain your powers. And then he, he like, continues to berate and criticize Uryu while he's on the ground, like, not dying, but basically dying. Yeah, well, because his, uh, his beef with Uryu here is that throughout the entirety of the training, and including here, he's like, Dude, you had, like, your one chance, and you tried to capture me instead of, like, actually trying to hurt me. And effectively, Ryukin is saying, Uryu, you're soft, and that's going to get you killed. If I wasn't actually trying to save you, I would have killed you. Like, it it rings true. It's just, like, he's being such a bad dad, is the thing. (laughs) He is being a terrible dad. Uh, Part, you know, part of it is hey, this won't work unless you're, like, literally burning out and at your limit physically and mentally. And I think if Uryu knew about the, like, if Uryu was aware of it, I don't think he would burn out mentally. Like, he has to think that he's on the, that he's going to die if he doesn't dodge, right? That's how he's bringing, pushing him to the edge. But it is still, like, just this horrible moment, this horrible situation. You're just like, all right, well... (laughs) Ishin still wins that of the year compared to you, I guess. <laughs> the the thing that strikes me about this whole thing is where some people might take this to be like Ryuken being a bad dad, specifically for this one scene where he's just like wearing Uryu down. He's just like that is the thing. <laughs> like he's just like that permanently. And I'm just like, okay, my guy, you're <laughs> no wonder this kid's so exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it, it would be kind of fine, it would be still terrible, but kind of fine if it was just this, but it's like, no, 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 this is just an extension of everything that we've seen of him. This is just how he is all the time. 100%. Uh, the episode literally just ends with all this as Uryu lays on the ground, uh, and yeah, what was the post-credits bit this time, Sam? The post-credits bit this time is, we learn that... Oh, yeah, Renji agreed to do the chores. 
that means he's got to clean the rooms and wash the floors and do all of this in between training sessions with Chad. <laughs> and he's just like frantically doing all these chores. It's pretty good. It's a pretty all right bit. Just Urahara being like, damn, didn't expect, didn't expect I'd get him that far. <laughs> oh, uh, what was the manga like? Uh, basically the same. I have one, uh, th- there is one chapter which, at this point, I can't remember if uh, it's mentioned in the uh, <laughs> in the anime or not. But uh, to- when Toshiro's telling Rangiku to like, hey, if you don't go to sleep, you'll never grow up to be like Rangiku. And oh, yep, that's in the episode. She responds with, shut up, Rangiku's a freak of nature. <laughs> don't compare me to her. How dare you? It- it's pretty alright. It... <laughs> God, this whole Skype call is a lot. It really is. Oh, Well, we should probably cut to break. Yeah, let's just cut to break. So let's get back into it with episode 127, Urahara's Decision, Orihime's Thoughts. We start the episode with Yumichika and Ikaku's daily married life, as the former is laughing at Ikaku's new polka dot heart print teddy bear low-cut t-shirt. It's an incredible look, don't judge. I love this shirt, and I love Ikaku in this shirt. It's really, really good. It's incredibly good. So Ikaku just, like, headbutts him to the ground, only to get interrupted by Ragiku, who has suddenly appeared inside the apartment. <laughs> She's like, oh, you know, the front door's unlocked. <laughs> and then she starts being like, oh, I didn't know your fashion sense changed, and oh, just because you, just because the landlady gave you a shirt, you're gonna wear it? And he's like, yes, I'm getting free room and board. I'm not gonna complain about wearing clothes. <laughs> Ikaku's a responsible boy. He's a, he's a good boy. <laughs> and Ragiku's just like immediately, no, actually, I would complain super loud. And I, like, I would complain about the food. I would complain about the shower. I would complain about the clothes. <laughs> and, and Ikaku and Yubichika just like regroup for a second. And they're like, um, who's the poor tortured soul that has to deal with her? And it's like, oh, it's Orihime. Damn. <laughs> poor Orihime. <laughs> None of our business, but rip, 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 rip. <laughs> that poor girl. At this point, Keigo gets home, and we skip over the boob slapstick to get to the bit where his sister gets home and thinks Rangiku is home wrecking. The the only good part of the boob slapstick is when he gets kicked and he like guards with both of his arms and like an X cross and slides across the ground and is like the same technique will not work on me twice, and then he gets hit anyway. That's the only good part of the slapstick. Over at Urahara's, we greet, he greets Orihime, who was brought over by Yoroichi at the end of last episode. And he's just like, oh, I'm so glad to heavily find a lady, to finally have a lady around the house. I've been stuck in this basement with these sweaty dudes, just going at it. (laughs) And then uh, Renji just says like, well, I'm done beating the shit out of Chad, but... (laughs) After just, like, a quick moment to remind us that the dolls are in the show, and, cause they're like, oh, we're gonna help him, we're gonna give him water, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, massage his shoulders, like, Chad's gonna get up, but Chad gets up on his own anyway, 
And then there's a version of number one that starts playing, so you know that it's really cool. The Chad gets up to fight Reggie on his own, <laughs> and then he gets up to do an attack, and Reggie just immediately slaps him across the wall with a with his bankai. It's really funny, because, like, the song is like, oh, yeah, hype shit's about to happen. Get ready for some hype shit. And then Chad gets knocked down anyway, and it's like, oh, never mind. Like, it's a version of the song that has a lot more, like, background vocals like rapping as well so it's like okay yeah this is a completely different like vibe than when it's playing for ichigo like this is a completely different song here he goes look at him oh nope there he goes <laughs> there he goes a there crater goes in the wall my hero <laughs> <laughs> Just and then as soon as that happens like it just switches to so you're like oh okay so i guess chad's not important in the scene this is all about their conversation it really, it, it, it just sidesteps the Chad training entirely. So they start talking about the the upcoming fight, and Orihime, like, volunteers to fight. But Urahara's like, uh, no, actually, you're not fighting this one. You're setting this one out. Tubaki is still busted. Like, he was smashed to so, so many small pieces that Orihime can't even find a part of him to, f to use to fix him. Uh, so he's like, uh, if you can't, you know, fight. You shouldn't be in the fight. So Chad shows up and he's like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. She, w she can, ha she can heal. She can do shields. Like, she's still super useful. And Urahara's like, well, one, her shields actually aren't that strong. Like, the, the uh, Arankar are gonna go through them like butter. And two, we're gonna have a bunch of Shinigami healers out, and they're, they're like, actually soldiers. Like, they train to fight, and they can handle themselves in a fight and not get wrecked. Uh, so, we don't want Orihime there. She would be a burden. See, I have very mixed feelings on this scene, uh, after having seen the rest of the episode. Um... Because at this point in the episode, it does just really feel like they're trying to write Orihime out of the plot again. Um... And it's like, guys, come on. But I, I think my real problem comes from Urahara basically telling Orihime that she's a weak piece of shit and she needs to not fight. She needs to stay out of everything. Yeah, like, and, like he just straight up tells her, like, you're going to be a burden and you're going to get other people killed. It, it, it's like, let the poor girl, like, have some faith. Like, come on. Uh, I'll get back to this with the, uh, with the manga differences. Okay. Uh, but Orihime runs off saying that she's fine, although she's clearly not. And Renji stops Chad from going after her because he's also like, hey, buddy, listen, like, again, we have a co we have a core of healers and they're all trained soldiers and they're like trained to go into battle. Orihime is like, she's a high school girl who has been getting into trouble. And unfortunately, that's not going to cut it against these like super killers, <laughs> these super, super killers. It was like, ah. Uh... Fine, whatever. Whatever. We cut to Urihime running out of the store and running into Rukia, crying, and then to them talking about it on the roof. Rukia, thankfully, is like, um, excuse me? That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> You've been fighting with everyone this whole time. And Rukia's just getting, like, really angry and mad on her behalf. Uh, Urihime is like, well, it's not that I'm mad that they're saying this, it's that she's sad because she also she basically also thinks that there's a part of this that's true and she doesn't want to be a burden on the fighters who would have to like protect her because in the last 
every single time that she's fought. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, whenever Orihime enters a conflict, it, like every single time Ori- Orihime has entered a fight, it's always ended with someone ha- well, like someone getting hurt while protecting her. More or less counting the bound arc. It's sketchy, but obviously this scene isn't taking into account the, bo- the bound arc either. It, uh. it works on some level because it is believable that Orihime would think this. Um, I do really like that Rukia is here like, Orihime, you're stronger than you think. Those guys are spouting bullshit. Like, you're worth something in a fight. You have determination. Like, you can do this. And I I just really love the interactions between Rukia and Orihime here. It's that that bit is really good to me. Yeah, Rukia's like, it's not the people who don't have power that get people hurt in the fight. It's the people without determination. You know, like we learned during the entirety of Rukia and Uruyu's character arcs during the Bound Arc. <laughs> this is true. Or- so she tells Orihime, like, they're there's got to be something that you can do to prepare for the battle. And, you know, the girls will find it together. And just then, Hiori, like, lands from the sky, grabs Orihime by the shirt, and says, Hachi wants you to come. <laughs> Hachi wants to talk to you. Come with me. And then she leaps off into the sky. <laughs> it's incredibly good. I love Hiori so much. And Rook is just standing on the roof like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> would not change anything about that interaction. <laughs> Having dropped Orihime off, Yori gets back to beating on, I mean, training Ichigo, while Hachi just sits down next to Orihime, and I, I am again reminded that Hachi is like four times the size of a, of a adult human. <laughs> it's so funny, he is so big next to her. And he's, like, examining her hairpins, and he's like, oh, that's, like, your hairpins are basically Zanpakuto, like... They, they work in kind of the same way. Uh, she says she can't fix them. He offers to fix them. And she starts cheering because she's like, oh, hey, like, yeah, perfect. Excellent. I can get my little grumpy gremlin back. <laughs> Mashiro, the green-haired visored, is immediately wondering why Hachi's going through the, tr- the trouble of, like, fixing someone else's weapons, like a stranger. And she's like, I don't like her. Make her leave. Nah, nah, nah. She's annoying. Uh, but Rojiro, the Alucard-looking motherfucker, <laughs> is like, oh, well, you know, Hachi's just happy to find someone with similar powers. Like, we're all, like, rec- recluses who stay inside this abandoned barn. Uh, and we just stay here. But, like, you know, Hachi's just happy to meet someone with similar powers as he does. It's like expanding his family, basically. It, and it makes sense. Like, I, I like that detail. I think it's really sweet. Um... I do really like the animation on Mashiro's little tipper tantrum. I think that's pretty funny. Um, I, I I don't have that much to complain about with this scene. Yeah. Hachi tells Orihime that their powers are similar, uh, which means she doesn't need to have Tsubaki's pieces in order to fix them. She should be able to just do it herself. But for this time, poof. There he is, our favorite little angry gremlin fairy. Uh, she just starts, like, like she scoops him up and starts cuddling him aggressively. And Hachi is like, <laughs> he's fixed, but also, you're like me, and we shouldn't be on the battlefield. Like, 
I think the the reason that he's saying it is because he's like, well, we're like tender souls, basically. <laughs> like yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to hurt people, so we shouldn't go to war, effectively. Um, but Orihime is adamant. She says, like, no, I want to fight. I want to help my friends. And he says, okay. In that case, remember, what's important isn't how things are, but rather how things, how you want things to be. And then she leaves. She meets Rukia outside of the base. Uh, tries to explain. She realizes, oh shit, Rukia followed us here. And she starts trying to explain, like, what's happening. But Rukia's like, no, 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 no. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Ichigo's here in training. If he didn't tell me, it's because he's got a reason for it. As long as he's safe, it's good. Orihime resolves to get stronger so she can fight besides Ichigo instead of watching his back as he protects her. And both of them walk off into the night at the perfect episode ending, but that's not where the episode ends. <laughs> it does feel a little weird that, like, we have this seed and then it scrolls up to the skybox. It's, and it's a little weird, but I'm here for it. <laughs> and then in the, uh, in Hueco Mundo, we've got Okiora who visits Yami. Uh, Yami is just, like, getting his arm reattached. And to test his strength, he just, like, casually kills the Awankara that was working on him. Like... And just like, oh damn, I only splattered them against the wall. If I was as strong as I normally would, I would have, like, completely exploded them when I touched them. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, alright. Alright, Yami. Uh, I'm just now finding out by looking at the wiki that this Aronkar that was, like, fixing him has a name, apparently? Her name is Roka Paramia. Hmm. Uh, the scene cuts from there to Aizen, who's, like, looking at the recorded footage from when Ulkiara and Yami came to Earth. And he's just kind of, like, looking at Orihime fixing Chad's arm, and he's going, Hmm, what an interesting ability you have, girl. Hmm. You, say he's, <laughs> you say he's watching her, but it, it's like he's watching a giant CRT TV three inches from his face. And I think that in itself is hilarious. Yeah, well, it's like, it's the floating hologram, but it is floating, like, two inches from his face. <laughs> it literally looks like he's just, like, in the middle of the living room, just watching a giant CRT TV. It's so funny. And that's where the episode ends. Uh, as, as it does. The Aaron Carr encyclopedia bit is just, Gin shows up and says, here's a bunch of names of Aaron Carr techniques, and Yami shows up and says, oh... I don't remember how to write them. Big and strong, big and stupid. But, um... It's... It's a nothing bit. Like, I, I just kind of stared at the screen blankly, and I was like... You sure wrote that? <laughs> but now we get to the interesting bit. So, the manga differences. The part where Aizen is looking at the, the playback of Orihime, like, healing Chad's arm. And specifically going, like... That's a really interesting ability that she's got. That part plays as she is leaving from Uri, from uh, Urahara's store. Okay. In fact, it is specifically contrasted with Urahara like looking really grim and dour, implying that he also thinks the same thing. That's much more interesting, actually. So when I read the manga... Go like going through the scene. The vibe that it gives me is, Urahara is saying, 
Aizen's going to come for her, and I need her to stay out of the fight. I, I think that's much more interesting and well-handled than it is in the anime. Um, and it's, like, such a slight change, too. Like, they could have easily incorporated this. Yeah. And, well, it's like they, they explicitly had to go out of their way to do it the other way around, right? Like Yeah. Um, and then the other changes. So you know how there's like this big moment with Rukia and Orihime in the episode. Yes. And during during this episode, I was like, you know what? This is really cute. I'm glad that Rukia's here. I ship it. Like I think I think it works. Um, but obviously, I ship everything. So I was like, you know what? Not uh, not like completely weird. But then I saw the cover of the chapter in the manga. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, 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 okay. And then I saw the page in the manga and I'm like, this feels like if I remove the text from this page, you would just assume that this is a romantic page. Yeah, you really would. Wow. See, like the thing is in, in the anime itself, when she shows up at like Rukia's door or whatever, uh, it, it, it straight up has the vibes of like, someone coming home after like leaving for like a vacation and then realizing no i don't want to be on this vacation i don't need to go on this trip i want to be at home with my wife and like the two making up after that (laughs) and it's like i I wish i wish the energy were like more leaned into here because this is really good (laughs) the chapter is even called don't look back all right (laughs) yeah like (laughs) it doesn't get any more clear cut than that come on Come on, Kubo, don't be a coward. Like, for for anyone li- who's just listening and not following along with the manga, the chapter is chapter 228, Don't Look Back. Uh, just just give it a look, you'll see. Like, that, se- that scene looks like a love confession, honestly. It really does. Holy shit. And uh, that's, pre- that's pretty much it. There is, like, an extended... Over the last, over the last two episodes, there is, like, it's... Um, there is an extended bit in the, like, last corner page stuff, right? Like, just a little gag. Yeah. And I did check throughout the various uh, illustrated con guides. It, this bit doesn't seem to come up, but I'm going to wait till next week because I think there's... I'm going to wait till the bit's done until I actually talk about it. Okay. Overall, like, I, I, I think... I liked the first episode this week. The second episode was like all right. I was a, I was really worried in the first half that it was just going to be like, oh, this is the episode where we constantly shit on Orihime. Um, thankfully, it did not go that direction. I just, I really looking at the manga. I really wish they had handled some of the Orihime stuff differently. Um, just because. The manga seems to do a little bit of a better job of, oh, this is the reason Urahara was being that harsh, not just, oh, Orihime, you're weak, you're gonna be a burden, and I don't know. I I, I just wish that were better. Yeah. Um, This has been It'll Wash Out. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. You can find our show on Twitter at BleachCast, and you can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Paws. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. And, uh, yeah, uh, so in roughly three weeks, yes, exactly three weeks, uh, we are going to be recording, uh, the episode covering the first movie of Bleach, which is, uh, Memories of Nobody, 
Uh, I have never seen this movie. <laughs> have you? I think I've seen it, but I'm not certain. I recognize the character, and I've at least seen the first 20 minutes. Okay. But I don't, I don't remember if I've actually seen the movie proper. Uh, we do also have a guest scheduled to come on for that episode. Uh, so get excited about that. Um, I'm sure they're going to do great. Uh, but that being said, our guest has also not seen the movie. <laughs> However, uh, uh, they did just recently read through the entirety of the Thousand Year Blood War arc. <laughs> Which, that's going to be an interesting energy going into the show. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a great week. Stay cool, Chads. Just forget about it. Go back to sleep. Get rid of those bags under your eyes. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs>